This week's episode of Lunch with Legs will not be heard in order to bring you this special presentation. Dum 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 di dum 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 di dum. Shooting the shaisa mit Schweintort. Schweintort. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's very special episode in which uh, we are not having the lunch with legs, but instead we are shooting the scheisse with me, Schweintorz. So uh, we have a very special guest today on this first edition of Shooting the Scheisse with Schweintorz. And our very special guest is someone, of course, who you know and you love her very much. Uh, and she's very tall. Uh, you will notice that about her as soon as you stand next to her, and if you are, especially if you are short. But uh, our guest today is a burlesque performer, and also she has been known to breathe on occasion. Uh, she has done professional breathing, as I understand it. We will talk a little bit more about that later in the program. But uh, I would like to say to you, uh, welcome to Shooting the Scheiße with Schweintorz, Miss Legolas Melons. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Baron. It's a pleasure to be on you. On thank, this thank you for being here. Uh, first, I would like to talk about uh, you know the, uh, much of the time people talk about the real names on the Facebook uh, versus the names that we made up so that our creditors couldn't find us. Uh, and so I would like to talk about your name. Of course, is is one of those names that Facebook would say is is not real. But uh, I would like to obviously, when looking at your names, there are two parts. There's the first part, Legolas, and then the second part, Melons. Now I understand uh, Melons, of course, is a, a, a how do you say euphemism for the boobies, and uh, you are in the burlesque, so you have the boobies. Now the name Legolas. Uh, is you a big fan of those movies with the uh, tall people playing short characters? Uh, the ones directed by the guy who also directed that thing with the puppets? Uh, what do you call? And then the guy who is also uh, Watson in Sherlock Holmes is in them now. And they are far too long. And there's all this shit that isn't in the book. But one of the things that is in the books is the character Legolas. Is that your inspiration for your names? Um, it's actually not... No. Because, um, another my name is actually Legs Malone. Legs Malone? Yes. Hold on, let me take my booking sheet here. No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. That's, it says here Legolas Melons right on my, right on my device here. So I, I'm sorry, you are incorrect about your name. I'm afraid your device might be wrong. That is uh, impossible. <laughs> so, uh, moving on, uh, we hear through the grapevine, uh, uh, Schmegs, that <laughs> that you have recently gone gay. Now, um, my question to you and to our listeners who might be thinking of going gay in the near future is, uh, what what would you consider the best method of transportation for that? Would you take a bus? Would you prefer the subway? Or maybe you would get an Uber <laughs> car to take you there? How would you get there personally? How did? What was your journey like? And what was the approximate fare? I would have to say I recommend uh, you take whichever transportation is both the most affordable and Mm -hmm. most convenient, Mm -hmm. whichever you're most comfortable taking. And what sort of clothing should you wear to go gay? Um, I say really anything that you want to. Anything you want to. Interesting. Think about that, kids at home. 
You don't have to wear anything special. But I have to say, the Schweintort line of clothing is available online right now. It is all pinstripe suits, black shirts, and leopard print ties. Also, I recommend wearing a monocle so you look exactly like me. Schweintort! <laughs> so, um, let's talk a little more uh, about your work that is not in the booby realm. I have here a card. Uh, it says you do... Uh, Wudao. Yes. Wudao. Now, uh, if I remember correctly, Wudao is uh, a practice in which you raise people from the dead to, <laughs> and you control them uh, to do your evil bidding. Is this, is this an accurate description of the Wudao? Uh, unfortunately, it is not. It's not? No. No. Wudao is uh, based in traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to Tai Chi or Qigong. Okay, okay. Uh, and it brings a very deep peace to both your body and your mind. Because you're dead, and then you raise you back from the dead. Is that correct? Uh, no, no, there's no death. How do you control these death. zombies? No, um, I don't. Do they do what they tell you in these <laughs> classes, these so-called classes, well, you say? None of them are zombies. Are all of them repeating what you do exactly? This is my question for you. That That is the intention behind this the This sounds class. like zombie control to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I appreciate your take on it, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, no, there's in fact no uh, dead people in attendance to. Any so, of my do you classes. ban dead people from your classes? I don't ban them. But Are you prejudiced against the dead people? Absolutely not. Because that would not be right. No, I, I Schweinthor doesn't like prejudice. <laughs> I'm, I, I appreciate your principles and your your ethical stance on this matter, uh, Schweintort. Um, but no, no, I um, I simply don't have dead people because they tend to be either burnt to ashes or six feet underground uh, when it comes I to class see. time. Okay, so you don't like burners in your class. Now you're coming out against people who smoked the marijuana. This is what you're doing? No, not in the Legs, least. I, I really think your intolerance is getting to my listeners right now. <laughs> I think, I think first of all, arguing about your name is, is a rude way of starting an interview. And second, just this blanket intolerance against uh, pot smokers uh, and the dead is, is, is fairly... I, can we talk seriously for a moment? Yes, we may. It is Schweinthorst's opinion that everybody is okay. Really? Except people who, who you know, raise the dead <laughs> and then banish them from class after they raise them. What is that about? What is that even about? Are you going to raise the dead with your voodoo and then you can banish them for your class? Like, this, is, this seems like a bait and switch. How much do you charge to these dead people to not come to your class? <laughs> it's completely free for them not to show up. So it's a free for all. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. Okay. okay. Is, there, is there anything term. else you feel like we should talk about seriously before the before the uh, the interview continues? <laughs> I would actually I would love to find out a little bit more about you, Schweintort. Oh no, this is an interview show. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I would just love to find out about, you know, where you're from, what you're all about, what some of your beliefs mm-hmm. are, some of your major moral or ethical stances. I would say yes to all of those. Okay. Yes. Yes. But no to one of them, but not the other one. Okay. Yes. Any, anything further? Well, I would say, in, first of all, I mean, the thing is, when you are uh, evil, as I am, 
you look for other evil people because, you know, they are the sort of people who you get along with. Much like you, as a, a stripper, get along with the other strippers and also the people who uh, maybe breathe. Oh, let's talk about breathing. Oh, let's, I got it. We're, now we're going to talk about your breathing. Okay. So, Schmegs. Legs. Schmegs. Legs. I have an accent, okay? Don't make fun of this is how I pronounce legs, okay? Schmegs, uh, let's talk about... I understand you do some important work in breathing. Yes. Can you breathe for us now? I can. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I think I've heard your work in some porn movies I've seen. This is very good. Now, for those of you at home who can't see... Uh, she was breathing in through her mouth and then also out through her mouth. She has a small mouth she's carrying. No, that's a, that's a joke, you see. <laughs> Schweinfurt can be funny, too. Um, so tell me the basic principles of breathing. Do you do it to uh, change oxygen into carbon monoxide? Um, that's not the initial impulse for breathing. No. Uh, but it is the scientific outcome of said breathing. Okay, so it's just a byproduct. Yes, yes. Carbon mm. monoxide, or dioxide rather, is a byproduct of the breath. Carbon dioxide. Dioxide, not upgraded. monoxide. Yes, yes, well, not uh, carbon monoxide. Okay. Well, I, we are in New York, of course, so we breathe a lot of carbon monoxide, it, and then we breathe out oxygen. No. That's not how it works. No, it's oh. not how it works. The Schweinthorch is not big on the science. Really? Well, a little bit on the science. <laughs> anyway, so... When you when you tell people to breathe, is that so they don't die? Um, it is so that they can more fully accept their aliveness in their in their living bodies. Another example of Schmegs Malone's uh, prejudice against the dead, um, which is it's Not been sad so to see this come out in this interview. Really, <laughs> this is like a you know you go you go on an interview show and your true deep beliefs really come out. And this close, you know, to Halloween, which it is, when the dead will rise again and take your classes, <laughs> too. So probably not the breathing classes. That would be, that'd be kind of awkward. Breathe in and out, and then there's a room full of silence. Here, do this. <gasps> and then they all go. And maybe, you know, a body part falls off or something because they're zombies and say, yeah, I, I guess cleaning up the body parts after the zombie class could be could be considered difficult, but I, I think in the spirit of openness and inclusiveness, you know? Yeah, I, I, I really hadn't considered any of these things prior to our conversation, so mm -hmm. I, uh, I appreciate your input, and I will definitely take it into consideration. Yeah, for Legs Malone's my... mind opening even as we speak. That is Even correct. as we speak. So good. So good to see you coming to accept... Your own hateful self. <laughs> is that does that is that how you say it? Hateful self. No, I no, no I would I would just say it's it's shining light on places I that had simply been dark before. Yes, put that flashlight away and put your pants back on, please. <laughs> uh, this is a very distracting part of the interview. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, what else? What else shall we talk about? Um, this burlesque you do. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, some say. Some say that it is not, um, how do you say, naked. They're wrong. <laughs> Agreed. Next topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Hmm. What else would Schweintort like to talk about, I wonder, out loud? <clears throat> so, uh, uh, legs, uh, let's, let us talk, let us talk about, uh, some of my interests. Okay. Uh, so, uh, if you were going to kill someone, how would you best do it? What would be your best method of killing someone? Um, I wouldn't kill someone. Okay, okay. That's a bit of an evasive answer, isn't it? <laughs> this is not a political Actually. debate. We're having a nice private discussion uh, with a tape recorder in front of us. So yes. would you, so let's say, is garroting of interest to you? If you None. were going to, No, no, nope. that would not be what something... <laughs> what about um, uh, multiple stab wounds to the head? No. No, that's not... See, for someone... This is another example, by the way, just between you and me, listeners. Uh, this is another example of her, her anti-dead agenda. Uh, <clears throat> doesn't accept dead people. That's all right. It's fine. It's, you know, we have to love her anyway in our own special way. Anyway, um, so you wouldn't kill anyone. What um, if they got in the way of your evil plans? Well, I don't really... I think I have any evil plans. Don't you, Legs? Mm, don't you? No, I don't think so. What about this card I see, which says, uh, Legs Malone will recruit you in her evil plan to take over the world. I'm not familiar with the card that you're reading that off of. Here we go. Here we go. Wu Tao Dance is a powerful dance, exercise, and meditation programming that balances your vital life energy, or Kwai, using beautiful, originally Cheap. composed music and gentle, easy dance movements, perfect for all ages and for taking over the world. <laughs> I, that, that line is not included. I'm looking I'm right at the card and reading. <laughs> but, but how can you, when I point to this text twice, how can you deny it? Because um, it, it's not on there. If your plans aren't evil, what part of you is the most evil? I don't think any part of me is evil. What about your ear? You have a sinister-looking ear. I, I, you know, I think um, sinisterness is in the eye of the beholder. Interesting. And Interesting. I think that you might be using me as a reflection of your own sinister thoughts and ideas. And so, whereas in I wouldn't consciously think there are any sinister parts of me, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, perhaps you are projecting your own onto me. Would you use your zombies in your attempt to take over the world? I don't have any zombies. Hmm. All right. That's what you want to say. That people will use this against you. That is my final when you, answer. When you, have, when you have created a zombie apocalypse, they are going to look at this interview and think you are dishonest. Well, I, I apologize in advance to any who, uh, whom I may have misled or to myself because I think some shit's going to have to hit the fan in order for me to create a zombie army to take over the world. Do you know any burlesque performers who play zombies? I do. Do you find them sexy? Yes. So there you are then. Check and mate. Q-I-D. No, wait. Q-E-D. That's how you spell it. I was confused by your, your Q-I there. What is Q-E-D? It means, you know, it's, it's, it's a scientific or logical term. It means quotidium era distributionicum. <laughs> It's Latin. It means that, that's it is therefore true that. Oh. See? QED. Well, it's probably qu day. quotidium is not the word. But quos, quiqua, quiquog. No, that's terrible. <laughs> but, um, 
cut that right out. <laughs> cut that right out of the interview. It's, uh, where is the editor here? It's, he, he, keeps, he keeps walking around. He's hiding in his He's home office right oh, now, I think. What's he, what is he doing there? <laughs> Tell me, what does your editor do in his home office on his <laughs> days off? I, I don't think he has many days off, but... Does he Photoshop my ass ever? Um, just out of curiosity. You know what? He just might. Hmm. Mm. Your your alter ego, who I believe will be a guest on my show. Your show shortly. is canceled from now on. What? From now on, it is shooting the shies of a schwein towards every I week. I don't know how my listeners are going to feel about that. Well, they'll get used to it after a while. <laughs> they will say, "Oh, I miss that legs Malone and her zombie army." But uh, now, now it is a new dawn. It is a new day. It is a new life, and I'm feeling good. Oh, that's good. I should do a burlesque song to that. A burlesque number that would be good. That's it's a nice song. You, you would be the only person doing a burlesque act to that song. I also heard this song world. called "The Stripper." Have you heard of it? I, I have. Think it would actually. make a good burlesque number. I'm just going to say. Short, put speak it out to the there. point, and it, no one has ever. My idea it. called it. <laughs> called it. It's funny because it's called "The Stripper," and we are stripping out of our clothes. Nobody else do a number to that. I'm warning you. I'll be watching. I'm watching you. Through the tape recorder, <laughs> looking at you out of your podcast. <laughs> that's my eye. It's not a camera on your phone. It's my oh no, that sounded a little creepy. <laughs> when I put it that way, wait a minute. Where is my eye? Hold on. Oh dear. <laughs> It may or may not be up your ass with the rest of your head, dear sweet Schweindort. Um, I'm 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 just wondering for time purposes um, if there is an army you need to assemble or any um, dastardly deeds that need planning. Uh, for us to draw this part to a close. Well, I don't know if you know this about audio recording, Schmegs, but um, <laughs> they can contain subliminal messages mm-hmm. which uh, recruits everyone listening in to it into my evil army right now. Oh, so, really? yes, everyone who has heard this, this uh, audio recording will be uh, in my evil army come the day we face off against your army of zombies. Noted. That actually sounds like it's going to be a pretty sexy battle. Oh, boy, is it going to be fun. <clears throat> well, thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> this this has been Shooting the Shies of his Fine Torts with our special guest, Schmegschmeshing. Did I pronounce that right? No. Schmegschmeshing. <laughs> this, this is your new name. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We're going to take three on that one. I hope we leave in the taking of the three on that. Okay, here we go. Well, thank you all for tuning in. This has been a very important show, Shooting the Shaisha with Schweintorts, which will be replacing uh, Lunch with Legs for the foreseeable future until uh, Legs recovers from this interview. Uh, a big hand for our special guest, uh, Legs Legs Malone, who, uh, who is, can next be seen in uh, a play, uh, a burlesque play, about mostly a stripping thing. But, well, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Today, you know, these sign-offs are pretty hard. <laughs> thank you for... <clears throat> well, 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 this is my... NP- <laughs> Hold on. <clears throat> this is my NPR voice. Okay. <clears throat> Schweintort! Okay, there, there we go. Okay, here we go. Thank you for tuning in to Shooting the Scheiße with Mit... <clears throat> Let's try it one more time. <clears throat> Thank you for tuning in to Shooting the Shisha with Schweintort. 
uh, and our special guest, I'd like to thank our special guest, Lechmelon. 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 Oh, that sounds like Lechmion. This is another dirty name you have. Okay, we'll try one more time. Hey guys, this is all going to be in it, isn't it? It's just it's not going to cut a minute of this. Okay. <coughs> Thank you all for tuning in to Shooting the Scheiße of a Schweintort. Our special guest this week has been Schmegs Malone, uh, a burlesque performer, a person who breathes, and zombie overlord. Uh, tune in next week when we will be having an interview with uh, also Lex Malone, because uh, she's the only one who will ever agree to be on this show. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Thank you for indulging us, ladies and gentlemen, with listening to that fun foray into... Some nonsensical fun featuring my dear friend Johnny Porkpie as Baron von Schweintort. Something tells me you will be hearing more from Schweintort very, very soon, but for now, let's just leave it at that. Anyway, Legs Malone here. Such a pleasure to be bringing you this fresh episode of Lunch with Legs. I hope you guys have been doing really well. Everyone's enjoying the autumn in the Northern Hemisphere, and that everyone is safe and healthy and happy. I am so excited to bring this episode to you. Johnny Porkpie is one of my dearest friends here in New York City, and he has a lot to say. I mean, he likes talking, but, you know, there's there's information in there that I find interesting as well when he's not being himself. <laughs> anyway, I am very pleased to be able to segue straight into our interview in just a moment here, but... A huge shout out and thank you to the lovely Lucille. I don't know if she's going to be okay with me saying that, but for her wonderful donation to the podcast, I appreciate it so much. And for everyone who gives and supports the podcast via our PayPal link on the lunchwithlegs.com homepage or main page, I should say, you are the reason that we are able to put these ends together and create this lovely podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, on with the show. Go ahead, pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of something good, and get ready for this week's episode featuring the one and only Johnny Pork Pie. Johnny Pork Pie, it is such a pleasure to have you on this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. How the hell are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Schmags. Your, your legs. Oh, right. sorry. <laughs> um, I would like our listeners to know that uh, I was laughing so hard during that entire recording with uh, Baron von Schweintort, a.k.a. Schweintort, um, that my face is actually having muscle spasms. It's a shame he had to leave. It was. I thought it would be an interesting part of the conversation. I, I honestly don't think my face could have taken it. Mm, I can't. Understood. The pain is pretty is pretty acute, <laughs> um, as it is in other parts of my body. Thanks to Schweintort. Well, that's mentally, emotionally, that spiritually sounded wrong. speaking. It does. That it sounded does. entirely wrong. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, I'm 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 very happy to have you on this week's episode and to have had Schweintort on this episode as this was initially cooked up many many months ago when you and I were on tour on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were what planes, trains, and automobiles. I think we. Yeah, literally. And a bus. And a bus. Yeah. And a couple of buses. And a few buses. There's <laughs> a lot of buses. A few buses. Yeah. Yes, go to my Instagram page for full details on said bus trips. <laughs> if you Complete dare. with pretzels and early morning departures. Mm. 
Um, but uh, yeah, how the hell are you? Here we are. It's almost Halloween. Burley Con is Burley Con is come and gone. A fantastic pilgrimage every year, which I think it's you've been going for the last. This was my fifth year. That's my sixth, I believe, out of seven, which is it's nice. Seven years total. I think it's, this was the seventh year wow. of Burley Con. Um, <clears throat> yeah, got a lot coming up, which is always good. Yeah, than, you, you. I mean, you are a prolific performer and producer uh, and writer. I mean, if by prolific you mean overcommitted and slightly idiotic. <laughs> uh, I guess exactly that is what, what prolific mean. means, right? Uh, yeah, there's. We're doing. Um, we're doing the seventh edition of Shocks and Cocks All Nude All Dude Review tomorrow. Seventh edition. Seventh edition. It's the fifth year, but the seventh edition. Some oh. years we've added an extra cock just for the fun of it. Um, <laughs> Cocks are always That's, fun. I'm, in my opinion, certainly. <laughs> so uh, we did have a little bit of a kerfuffle Monday when the venue uh, emailed us and said we couldn't do nudity in the show, which given that I'm teaming up with uh, Daniel Nardiccio, who also co-produces the New York Boylesque Festival, given the title Shocks and Cocks, we thought our audience might be a little disappointed if there were indeed... No cocks. Yes. Well, sausages with the buns, I think, would have been the (laughs) wrapped sausages. Overly packaged sausages, I think. But it all worked out. We've got we've got some restrictions put on us now. We can only be full frontal for three to five seconds. (gasps) Yeah. And we cannot going to be someone with a timer. I'm sure they'll send someone with a timer. But, you know, I'm going to have fun with that anyway. And uh, also we're doing artistic presentations. Which, you know, we are, of course, but I like referring to them as artistic presentations in the course of a show called Shocks and Cocks. And uh, we can't simulate any sex acts. So we have God to. God damn it. I know. I know. So, so much for the Catherine the Great number. Oh my God. Yeah. Motherfucker. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. So, but, I mean, we're, we're, I, it's still going to be a fantastic show, let's face it. And I'm going to have so it. much fun. I may do a reading of the uh, relative clauses in the. I think it's, uh, what are they called? Oh, let's pause for a minute there. No, I may do a reading. I may do a reading of the relevant legal clauses. Yes. Excellent. As Schweintort? Probably not. No, I don't. We don't. In, we don't invite Schweintort to shocks and cocks. Despite <laughs> the fact that in his first performance in a burlesque show, he he did present. He did. He did present himself mm-hmm. and 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 his. And, Little friend. Master Baco. Yes. Young Master Baco. Young Master Ho. Those were the days. Those were the days. Speaking of said days, that was during a Pinch Bottom production, and you are the creator. Co-creator. Co-creator, um, and now sole producer mm-hmm. of Pinch Bottom Burlesque. How many years has Pinch Bottom been extant? Pinch Bottom has been around for 10 years. The very first show produced as Pinch Bottom was produced in the basement of a now defunct bar in Midtown called Siberia. And it was called oh, Cold War Burlesque. And the tagline was, of all the burlesque you've ever seen, this is the Glasnost. Yeah, that was, it seemed clever at the time. It really did. And it was themed. Interestingly, at the time, and then, uh, but what really has come to be known as Pinch Bottom, uh, that we did that and we did a couple other productions, but when we start, when we teamed up with Collective Unconscious, they were looking for a monthly burlesque show and we were looking for a theater to do burlesque shows in. And that's when what I would really call 
what I now think of as pinch bottom shows. That was when they came out. That was in 2006. Uh, the first one we did was what I would describe as a written show rather than a scripted show. We can talk more about that. I was going to say, what's the difference between written versus scripted? So I just taught at BurleyCon, I taught a class on writing for naked, mm-hmm. uh, which was about scripting your burlesque show. And I wanted to uh, see a lot of people call their shows fully scripted and they they are written. They've written parts, they've written bits between, but I wanted to differentiate that and what I was teaching, which, so written I would say was what most hosts do when they're hosting, which is write things to fit the show. So if you're doing a show about, you know, animals, you write bits that introduce the acts differently. If you're doing a Harry Potter show, you have connecting bits that, um, you know, bring you from one number to the other. But in a written show, it's still a host introducing numbers situation. Uh, What I describe as a scripted show has plot, has character development, and has a beginning, middle, and end. It's a story, and it uh, doesn't take place necessarily on a stage. Though, of course, you know, you end up integrating a show within a show into a lot of written shows. So scripted would be, possibly I would say it was a a show that would work as a show if you took out the burlesque numbers, and which has characters who interact with each other rather than the host interacting with the audience. So that's how I define the difference for the class. Okay. Um, so our first show is what I would call a written show because it was set in an old-time tent revival. It was called Blasphemy, um, set in an old-time tent revival, and but it was basically host-introducing numbers. But by the second show, which was Naked Planet, our sci-fi show, it we had a script. We had a plot. I mean, it was a ludicrous plot, but it was a plot, and it, it's what drove you through the show. Did it have a flimsy premise? It had a... That was, in fact, the beginning of the line. That's a pretty flimsy premise. Because that, to our dear listeners, is the hallmark uh, of every pinch bottom show. And I love hearing whenever that gets said on stage, uh, usually by you, um, the audience will erupt in cheers. Those in the know. Yeah, it's really and fun. And there are a lot of people who are like, huh, what? <laughs> what that, why, why are they laughing? Why are they uh, usually it still works as a gag, even if they don't get it. Yeah. So the um, so that's the show I would really think of as being the first show that was what we now define as a pinch bottom show, and pinch bottom is specifically like scripted in theaters. Mm-hmm. We've tried pinch bottom shows in bars; they just they don't work as well. They work best when people are sitting down, yeah, theatric style. Right, the lights go down. Yeah. They've committed to hearing words basically, uh, and so I think that's another difference between scripted and written. I think scripted works better in theaters. Written works well both places, but it it is the better one for bars. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... I get that clarification. Um, Pinchbottom, with the scripted shows, as per your definition, went on for quite some time. Um, it wasn't that long. That's the amazing thing. It seemed like that long. The first iteration of Pinchbottom went from 2006 to 2009, April 2006. Was that it? Well, there was one show in the summer of 2010. Which I was part of and right. commissioned 
an enormous costume for. Yep. <laughs> which is now sitting in my dad's basement. <laughs> it was a great costume, though. I mean, he, I still you, were ready to, you were ready to do that number over and over again. Yes, but, I was. I still am. Um, yeah, so, but I would say the, the bulk of that happened between April 2006 when the Blasphemy Show was and December of 2009 when the... Uh, Lu- Filthy Lucre, the burlesque Christmas Carol uh, was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. and God, it was only three years and change. It really was. That's yeah. shocking. And we switched theaters about four times. Oh, and my God. Well, I remember why you had to leave Collective Unconscious. They um, shut the building down. Because there was, like, toxic mold in the basement. Yeah, that wasn't great. I remember walking took, down there. The shows like, took a few years smell? off our How come there's life, nothing down here? And someone being like, don't set foot down there. I'm like, oh, whoops. Yep. Yeah, that yeah, was that was certainly that. fun. It's funny because Pinch Bottom for me was part of my primary burlesque education when I first moved back here from London. And I moved back here not wanting to come back to New York uh, and was very blue indeed about being back in my beautiful hometown, which I now know it's completely cool. Everything happens for a reason. Um, but I remember religiously attending all of the Pinch Bottom shows because not only were they funny and just great shows, but I was able to see some of the best burlesque performers in New York in a really enjoyable format. We found that it appealed to a really wide swathe. You know, we found that we got, because we were associated with collect swath, swathe. Anyway, sorry. Look, I have an accent, okay? <laughs> uh, but it, it appeared to a wide range of people. You know, burlesque fans liked it. Uh, who it didn't appeal to was people who came to see tits, you know? Yeah. Like, those were the people who walked in and were like, why the fuck is everybody talking? I'm going to get out of here. That's an oversimplification, of course. There were plenty of people who came in thinking that and then ended up liking the shows. But it people, it gave people, I think a scripted show gives some people something to hook into. Mm-hmm. And so it was a gentle entry. A lot of people brought their parents yeah. Like they were like, this is this is what I want to do. And they brought their parents to see the shows, which, I mean, they weren't, from the point of view of the numbers, they weren't shy. Yeah. You know, we had Joe Boobs, we had Julie Atlas Muse, we had Tigger, we had Dirty Martini. These people were not doing stuff that was necessarily... Burlesque light. Burlesque light, right. It was full Neo and full a lot of other things yeah. as well. <laughs> and so, um, but... The the story brought them along through it, and I think it was a it was a much more gentle entry because it wasn't like I'm seeing all this like all oh, oh my god it's ten naked people it's ten naked people but interspersed in a story and I think that that got a lot of theater people in we got burlesque fans in of course um, and just a lot of people that was a good date night. And people would bring groups of their friends. It was pretty. Yeah. It was a pretty amazing time. It's nice to have a, you know, theater you can use whenever uh, you want. Yeah, totally. And in, in total, how many shows did you put on there? How many unique scripts, rather, I should say? There did you are. Produce? We produced a, that plus um, a few years later, um, over thirty. Wow. Probably about thirty. Maybe uh, you know. Five of which I'd never, I'd like to never see again. Yeah, there's some good fun stuff in there. Um, then about, you know, five of which are absolutely like those are the ones you bring back first. And then you know somewhere ten to twenty, which with some work could be a lot of fun to do again, but mm-hmm. do need the work. But yeah. what we were doing in that time, which I highly don't recommend if you want to retain your sanity, is putting on a new show every month. So each month there would be a new script. Um, 
sometimes new numbers like you came up with, uh, you know, uh, uh, rehearsed between one and two times, usually right between one and a half times is about the, <laughs> people would get their scripts anywhere from two weeks before to two the week of before. never two hours before <laughs> everyone had everyone had a good three or four days to learn their lines. Come on. This is a professional production here <laughs> in the mold infested theater. Um, so, I mean, as a as a as a creative time, it was incredible. It was it was like being on fire all the time. Like, woo, 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 woo. you have to come up with it. You have to come up with it. You have to come up with it. And then, you know, we'd start we'd repeat the ones that we really liked. But especially those first two years, we wanted a new one every week. Wow. Um it's exhausting. It burns. The candle burns bright, but it burns fast. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, though, if if not for writing all 30, you wouldn't have those five. Right. You don't you don't get those five when you try and come up with them and write them over the course of five years. Right. You get those five by like, got to got to do it. Got to do it. Got to get it. OK. Right, 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 right. OK. I've learned a lesson from that one. I'm going to apply it to this one. OK. I blew that. I'm going to try this. You know, like. And so there was a you, you get into sort of a rhythm, you get into sort of a rhythm of arguing with your partner about the script not being done and then going and sitting in a coffee shop for two days and banging it out. And, you know, this, but it was an amazing Amazing creative time. We had over a hundred numbers created specifically for pinch bottom shows wow. by various people. Yeah. You know, we started out with those. The thing was, at the time, what was what was more interesting about them was that they were themed, which seems weird now because most shows are themed. But uh, at the at the time, having a monthly themed burlesque show was the selling point. Oh, it's it's going to be a different show every month like oh this one was about the first one was blasphemy the second one was sci-fi the third one was fans which was probably our least successful uh and then there were superheroes there was you know um james bond there was kids indiana shows was indiana jones one. yeah that was my um one. you know and then like how to sex was one like we'd have we'd have wider themes we tried to I remember the oscars one that was i think that was the first one I that ever may have to. been the first one yeah and you asked are you going to do this every month we're like no no, and you're like, oh, that's um, that would have. I, see, the Oscars one is one I would describe as written now, mm. because the shtick was we were introducing yeah. the Oscars. That seems to me to be a written show rather than a scripted show. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's gonna, it's it's amazing. It was an amazing time. It was a just an amazing artistic energy to be around, and it, we loved having the people who were in the show in the show, and they seemed to love to be there. Um, but it does burn you out. I can only imagine. It does burn you out. I can yeah. only imagine. Now, rewinding back to all of this, you, you're, I mean, you are originally from Manhattan. You're one of the few. Born and raised. Born and raised. Born and God raised. bless it. In um, the, I was brought back to the same apartment my mom lives in now. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. In the West Village, yeah? In the West Village. God, what an amazing place to grow up That was in. back when the Halloween parade used to go down Bleecker Street. You could stand on my roof and look out at it. And that was, you know, it was um, it was a hard time. We're talking the 70s and 80s in New York. Which yeah, was a, and which is what I would actually, that's leading up to my next question. I mean, can, what, what can you share about, like, growing up in the West Village? Well, I, I mean... I was just talking to someone about this. It was, it, I, I was, I was so, it was, there was so everyone. It was so everyone there, right? That I, I, 
went to college thinking that everything was okay. You know, I was I was one of those kids who thought that colorblindness was something you could have, mm. right? As opposed to, you know, realizing that that's not something society currently allows. Um, but, you know, you ride the subway with everybody. You see seven different languages on newspapers. You see every skin color you can possibly imagine, you know. Um, I, I, my, my mom's, the, the, <laughs> my mom and dad were together for maybe the first two and a half, three years of my life. So the only long-term couple I really knew was one of my, was my mom's friends, Kathy and Pat. Um, and so my view of what a long-term relationship was, was a lesbian relationship. <laughs> like they'd been, they'd been, they were together the whole time I knew them. And like, that was it. Um, so it was, you know, and there was something glorious about the parade then because it was a night of freedom, and I'm glad it's not anymore. I'm glad it's that freedom has expanded. But that was the night you could walk the streets as a drag queen. You know, that was the night you could you could be flamboyantly gay walking down the street. It was in, it was an incredible time that I'm glad we're past. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to someone um, this year about it. Two out of the three marriages I've been to this year have been gay, and. It's it's an amazing time, right? It's it's amazing because I was in North Carolina for for my friend Mark's wedding to his husband Rich, and they'd married earlier in Delaware, I think, mm-hmm. um, and come back and had the ceremony in their hometown. And just earlier that week, North Carolina recognized gay weddings. Amazing! Like this is incredible. I can't wait till our kids don't have to go through this shit. Totally. You know, like yes, we're coming into a more wonderful, more accepting world slowly slowly painfully and not everybody is but like to be part of that is wonderful and yet there's this sort of bittersweetness of oh shit it's still not everywhere it's still not so that was that was new york 70s and 80s you know i went to school in the west village with david bishop burlesque stage manager mm-hmm. um and went to middle and high school in Brooklyn. Um, and I, you know, I, my dad always, my dad's got this vision of New York as in constant decline, right? He left it in 1977 and... Well, uh, it wasn't yeah. exactly in great shape. Then. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so, but I, I, you know, I don't remember feeling terribly unsafe. I, I do remember those graffiti and crusted subway cars. I remember when, you know, the subway car would pull out of the tunnel and you'd wonder what was painted on the side. There was this one I remember, and I don't remember if this is true, but it's in my head. Of, there were, used to be like these eyes poking out of a jungle that someone did a, on the whole side of a subway car. Mm. And it was just like, it would, and there were these eyes. It would pull into the station, the eyes looking at you out of the jungle. And of course, it got covered in other graffiti over the years. Um, and I certainly think, you know, I'm, I don't think that's any better or worse than a fucking Nike ad. Like a Nike ad coming out of the side of the, pasted on the side of the car, I think is just as intrusive. And just because they paid for it, like, why, why do I have to be subjected to this because you paid for it? I don't find the old graffiti any more offensive than the new paid graffiti. Yeah. Let's call it. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that, um, I mean, it's a, it's a sharp contrast to what we were just talking about before. But, I mean, your your background I and mean, sort of tying the two together, I mean, were, you were raised in a very artistic household, it sounds like. All three of my parents were actors. All um, three. Yes. Uh, 
my my dad met my stepmother directing a play. Um, I think my mom was also in that play at one point. So there's, oh my gosh. but yeah, they were they were part of the the '60s '70s theater scene, the old No Smoking Playhouse, the WPA, all these theaters that if you research avant garde theater, you'll you'll find uh, these amazing places. Which of course, with the exception of stuff like La Mama, have mostly closed down, yeah. which is part of the sad part of living in the safer city. You see less and less of these enclaves of, oh my God, we found this loft that costs $500 a month. Let's open a theater company up there. You don't find that loft anymore. Right. Yeah. And right now I I would, I would say that New York is undergoing a real, um, cultural like drought, um, or killing off of all of these independent spaces in the last, you know, several months even. I mean, there have been so many theaters and venues that have closed. Well, you want to talk about between 208, 208, 2008 <laughs> and 2010, Pinch Bottom. Um, you know, in, in 2008, Collective Unconscious on Church Street, where there was a burlesque sign on the a landmark burlesque sign on the side of the building. God, I love that. Um, closed down because of said problems, but various other problems as well. Um, it had already moved from another space that had closed down. There was Surf Reality, which had closed down. So Pinch Bottom moved. We were supposed to have a year-long um, presence at the Zipper Theater. Oh, and they closed overnight. They closed overnight. They closed the uh, three days before we were supposed to premiere our January show there. Oh, my God. And so we went to 45 Bleecker, which is still open, thankfully. Uh, I believe it's called the Lynn Redgrave Theater now. And it's been re... It was in between managements. It used to be the Culture Project, and now it's the Culture Project again. So in some ways, that shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the longer you do theater in New York, the longer you do performance in New York, the more venues you work at that shut down, which yeah. is depressing. and depressing, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, just thinking back to, I mean, the New York that I heard about growing up that I never knew. I was a very shy child. I never went downtown. I never tried to get into limelight. I never mm-hmm. tried to do any of that because I was terrified of it all. Um, even though now I would happily go back and try <laughs> please, it. Please, please. Yeah, seriously. But I mean, I know Giuliani's stuff, you know, his cabaret laws and the crackdown really sort of started to shut a lot of that down. What do you see as the future of New York City arts and nightlife. Well, you know what's interesting is, uh, first, I mean, it's it, it'll constantly do this, right? Yeah. Like, it'll sweep through and then sweep back and then sweep through. It'll get too expensive for everyone and or too something for everyone and everything will go, if not down in price, not up as much. But interestingly, earlier today, I was seeing a uh, show, a musical by a friend of mine in New World Stages which when I moved back here in 98 was the $5 movie theater. So there you have a space that was a multiplex, basically five or six theaters, that's now a multiplex for theater. Wow, where's that? That's on 50th Street. In the city? In the city, yeah. And so it's a range of theaters. I think they range from like 99 seats to 300 seats. Oh, my God. So there you have that going in in the direction of more more live performance. And then the show that I do, the the venue that I do Church of Titillation in, which is 
used to be Show World, which was one of the most infamous strip clubs in Times Square. Now they just have the porn shop called Show World downstairs. But that went from being, um, you know, a giant strip club. Now it's a uh, three-venue space. It's got a, you know, most of it is a year-round haunted house. But then there's a off-Broadway theater that we did Pretension in last year, and that's the one where we had some trouble with Shocks and Cocks. Um, a 99-seat black box and a cabaret space, basically. So that And the cabaret space used to be just a bar. So there we have an additional venue. Like, we have an added venue. So, while thinking of the decline of all these smaller venues, we're, we're also seeing things open up in unexpected places. Mm-hmm. As I think, how, that's how these smaller venues came about. So, what's the next unexpected place? Like, what are we going to... I hear that the new, uh, the new laws are going to make it difficult to open bars in New York. What? what? This is the first I'm hearing about it. Um, this is from a bar owner I heard this, but the and it's hard not to support them. De Blasio is putting into effect some minimum wage laws uh, that deal with the being able to pay people three dollars an hour because they're being they're having it made up in tips, and so it's apparently going to get a lot more expensive to open a bar. But I wonder if people aren't going to say, well, maybe if I open a bar slash performance space, I can make it a not-for-profit and I'm supporting the arts and mm. maybe there's something there. Like maybe there's something to the fact that if doing business becomes too expensive and I mean, just between you and me, I think if you can't pay your employees, you're not really doing business. That's a side point. But if doing business becomes too expensive, then we have empty spaces and if we have empty spaces that aren't opening as new bars, well, maybe they're opening as small theaters. Maybe they're opening as maybe a, a not-for-profit theater company can afford a space that a bar can't afford because they'd have to hire you know everybody at the actual pathetic minimum wage rate yeah did my opinion just again about the minimum wage (laughs) (laughs) um speaking about you know being a sole creative proprietor as it were here in the city what would you what would your advice or any tips be to other people who have similar aspirations or who are wanting to create new work be it in burlesque or out but production wise bringing shows into theatrical spaces theatrical spaces are tough because they are co- constantly struggling you know they're they're constantly struggling with rent with insurance to stay open that way they you know many of them have uh Many of them have grants and such that they get, but that's a constant work every year. I really think it's the same as anywhere. I think if you if you get to know a space, if you get to like the space, if you volunteer to help, this is especially... I mean, if we're talking specifically about theaters, right? And, we're, and if we're talking about theaters, we're talking about off-off-Broadway or maybe off-Broadway right. theaters. But if you're bringing something in for the first time, you want an off-Broadway theater. You want a house that's 30 to 99 seats, right? Um, you get to know the space. You volunteer. You get to know the people there. That's the best way of getting in less expensively. But you also budget to lose. You don't go into producing a theater show in New York saying, I'm going to make billions of dollars when I sell every seat. What you say is, I'm going to work 
I'm going to workshop this and it's going to cost me $1,000. Um, then, you know, when you workshop it, then you, then you sell it to the people who can put in more money to build their own shows. Now, if that's not what you want, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to lose money, if you don't want to, um, if you want to develop things without losing money, then you find alternate spaces to do them. You find, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of bars with small back rooms that as long as you're selling alcohol, they'll be happy to have you use. Uh, Parkside Lounge is one of them. Um, Cabin also has a small back room that, you know, they're not ideal performance spaces, though Parkside keeps getting nicer and nicer. But, but I mean, Parkside's great. Parkside's one of those that was... Almost exactly the same when I was in the city till now. I don't know how long it's been open, but as as other bars of that type closed around it, it managed to keep itself going. And partially, I think, because of their their fairly open booking policy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're fairly open. Um, like, bring it in. Let's see if it works. They don't have anyone there to see if it works. Their measure of whether or not it works is, did you sell drinks? Because... That's how they stay in business. But they also recognize the uh, value of bringing things in. And so you do what you want with your door. They do what they want with their drinks. Rare. Rare to find that. And you certainly won't find it in a theater. Most theaters say, here's the split, which is frequently 50-50. And, or it's a straight-out rental. And uh, we get the bar because we bought the bar and we're providing the bartender. Um Bars tend to have a better view of bringing people in because they're not used to dealing with what theaters deal with. So a bar will see, okay, you brought 20 people in to drink that weren't here drinking before, fine. And bars, there are a lot of bars will pay to have entertainment because that's another selling point right. for them. Totally. But if you're talking specifically about theater, I think the bars that will pay to have entertainment unless you're doing a site-specific piece aren't the best places to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, cultivate relationships with the places that present the sort of thing that you'd like to do. That's, that sounds obvious when I said it out loud, but a lot of people think, like, I'm, I'm certainly I was one of them. You know, you come back, and all I need to do is write the perfect show, and then I'll bring it there, and they'll want to do it because I'm a genius. <laughs> ah. Doesn't work. Of course it doesn't work. Right. You know? Totally. Um Speaking about um, things that do work, what uh, what else? What's coming up for you now? I mean, you're you're producing at Times Scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's coming up for you for the rest of the year and beyond? Well, the it's actually a pretty exciting next three weeks. Uh, Friday, of course, is Shocks and Cox, as I mentioned. Sunday is the last Dead Sexy, which is the uh, yes. horror creep show burlesque show, and that's going to be at Times Scare. Then on next Thursday in NOLA, New Orleans, uh, we're doing Dead Sexy again, a New Orleans edition. Come back and do uh, Stripper Carney Cowboy with Chris McDaniel and Donnie Vomit. And then um, Church of Titillation is back on November 9th. Church of Titillation is our sex positive, body positive, queer positive, gender fluid church, which has, of course, striptease strip sermons every Sunday at, at Times Scare. But it's, it's, in a, it's in that fabulous cabaret space I was just speaking is, of. Is uh, Church of Titillation open-ended? Church of Titillation is, is I confirmed people go through to go. December. Great. Um, basically, we renew with the venue on a 
two-month loop. Oh, so. awesome. Well, I for all of our listeners, um, be you in New York or outside of New York and thinking about visiting, I highly, highly, highly recommend attending Church of Delation because it's a really smart and funny show. It's It's been so much fun, and it's so much fun to... You know, the nice thing about being a preacher character is you can lecture, and yet it still works. You know, stuff you would say on stage. I did a whole... Uh, almost a sermon just off the cuff on why I have men wear pasties in my shows. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was standing up there explaining it, you know, it's sort of like, it's a pretty simple explanation, but, um, you know, it it would probably feel a little dry and luxury. But as a preacher, when you're the preacher, you can talk about, you say the men have to wear the pasties, and then suddenly it's it's fun. And then you just draw out a word, and suddenly it's even more engaging. So that, it's nice to have a, have a platform to talk about these issues in a performance environment without being luxury, because that's just the death of entertainment is, is lecturing during your nudity. Agreed. I mean, if you can do it while you're entertaining, win. If you're just talking, well, here's why I don't really like it when men don't cover their nipples. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like instant nightmare as an audience member to sit there because I, I have witnessed that happen and it sucks. Yeah, even really good, really good experienced hosts, you know, even Some really wonderful, it. you know, people that you would pay millions of dollars to book, pay millions of dollars to book us. Um, <laughs> even those people, if they if they just get a bug up their ass about something, and I'm in, including a bug up my ass, <laughs> um, going into lecture mode is just shuts down that show. It just yeah. shuts it right down. And... It's it's a shame because they're so I mean they get it back of course because they're professionals but that lecture you know two to five minutes is like oh baby write yeah. write write something online about that and have people forward it don't take it out on stage yeah. but it's been you know with I I see burlesque as a very and there's a lot of people who wouldn't fully agree. But at its heart, at its best, I find burlesque to be very sex positive and body positive and queer positive and gender fluid. You know, those are things that are the cornerstones of the sort of burlesque I fell in love with, right? And so, and I recognize that there are plenty of people who have had different experiences. Um, I think part of my experience is the fact that I've, you know, produced my own shows on a fairly regular basis. And so it can be what I want it to be. You know, it can be as inclusive as I can make it, given the performers who are available that night. Right. And so I think it's a challenge that every producer should take up for themselves. I'm not saying it's a requirement, but I think you do yourself and your show a disservice by not considering whether it's being inclusive, mm-hmm. by not thinking about how an audience member is going to or is not going to see themselves on the stage. I think that's I think that's an important thing to keep in mind alongside of course quality and entertainment. Like yeah. we're not talking about doing these things at the expense of quality or entertainment because there's bajillions of us now. If you can't find someone who does it who is not represented in your show, you can probably find someone you can convince to do it and mentor into doing it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So it's it's been nice to have Church of Titillation. It's been nice to um, set that up. And the Twitter, I have to say, which is, I'm sorry to say, at C of Titillation. We're going to have to change that. We can't find a good one, though. Like, Church of Hot Damn, maybe. Why does Church of Titillation not fit? Yeah, too many letters. How about Church of Tit? Too objectifying. Or how about Church And of gendered. Both objectifying and gendered. Church of Titillation. <laughs> Titillation? Oh, <that laughs> Still too long. Still too long. I didn't realize Twitter had a had a character limit. Yeah, yeah who'd have thunk? Um, speaking of Twitter and other social media things, um, where can people find you? Well, you can find me online at johnnyporkpie.com. You can find me on Facebook at slash johnnyporkpie and on Twitter at at johnnyporkpie. I should mention Johnny is spelled J O N N Y, no H. Porkpie is spelled P O R K P I E, no H in that either. <laughs> And if they want to go to your shows. Gen- you- yeah, generally those are listed uh, and talked about frequently on, on any of those places. Um, Church of Titillation is churchoftitillation.com. And you'll find most of them a link somewhere on my website if, if I go right now and update it. Excuse me for a minute. <laughs> okay. You have you have at least a day or two before I post this. Fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah, generally the most uh, comprehensive listing is at johnnyporkby.com and pinchbottom.com is, a, is, is currently under construction, but you can browse all the old Pinchbottom shows. Nice. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, you can... You can see, remember which ones you were in. Well, you have all of the names linked, all of the performers linked to the show. Not in the new in. version of the site. Oh, never mind. But you can still find that old version, I think, somewhere. Somewhere. In, in, in the depths of the internet. <laughs> um, well, Johnny, thank you so much for coming to be a part of today's episode. And I uh, am very grateful slash not grateful that Fine Tort showed up, but, you know, it had to happen. Left, yes. I'm very yeah. grateful he left. Well, thank you I for having me, Schmags. I really... <laughs> I don't think my face could have taken it. I literally, Did I have muscles really, that, that I just sounds wrong. It well, just sounds wrong. Well, it's the truth. It's, it, I'm just saying it, it sounds can, dirty. Can I say my it sounds inappropriate. Cheek, my lower, my lower ocular cavity. I'm okay, having... now you're talking about your cavities. <laughs> it's just getting out of hand here, like... <laughs> I mean, come on. Cheeks and cavities. Yes. The worst review in the world. <laughs> Let me write that down. That's how Shocks and Cocks came around. Like, you know what would be a stupid name? Shocks and Cocks. Now and it's in its seventh edition. Seventh edition. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Cheeks and cavities coming up. Oh, my God. You consider yourselves all worn. You know, I actually didn't have a good name for the all-female Shocks and Cocks. Cheeks and cavities. That's awful. That's really terrible. I hate it. Oh, it's so bad. Strip teasing in the dental arts, it sounds mm. more like. We're thinking about different cavities. We are. We're clearly, clearly. Um, well, thank you so much, Johnny, and uh, best of continued success in well, all of your you, wonderful Lawrence. endeavors. And to you as well. Thank you so much. You're so kind. Well, no, you, no, you're so kind. No, you. No, you are. No, you. No, no you are. Schwein do it! And there you have it, folks. Johnny Porkpie, you can catch him every Sunday at Times Scare. Go visit his website, pinchbottom.com, or if you want a real hoot, 
Go to Google Images and type in Johnny Pork Pie, and that's J-O-N-N-Y-P-O-R-K-P-I-E. You will not be sorry. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in, and I look forward to bringing you a brand new episode again very, very soon. Huge thanks to my executive producer, Mr. David Lawrence Bird, and thank you guys for tuning in to all of these love-bearing episodes. Have a great time between now and the next time you hear my voice. Take care, guys. Lots of love. Bye. Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs. Thank you.